0: Hey friends, you're listening to Changing the Conversation, a podcast by African leadership and the Mocha Club, where we take time to sit down and explore topics to challenge our perspective in pursuit of better loving people and the world around us. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Changing the Conversation. Fallon here with my lovely co-host, Emily Blackledge. If you spent some time with us on our previous episodes, you'll remember conversations we've had with some of our local leaders and country directors that are part of African leadership in Mocha Club's network in Africa. You've heard from Tito in Sudan, Jeffrey in Uganda, Mezik in Rwanda, and Alan in South Africa. Well, on today's episode, we get to chat with another one of these leaders and the first female leader we've ever had on the podcast. Irene Tangoy lives in Nairobi, Kenya, and is the founder of New Dawn High School. This amazing lady had a vision to serve her community's youth, and the story of how the Lord used her passion is incredible. You're going to love Mama Irene, as we endearingly call her. So, here's our conversation with Irene Tangoy. Thank you so much for skyping mm. with us. That's we appreciate good to talk you to taking you. the time. Thank you.
1: Irene, we just want to give our listeners a chance to learn a little bit about you and about Nairobi and kind of help us paint a picture. It's a warm, kind of muggy, rainy day here, but it's it's lunchtime. It's 12 o'clock. So give us a description, draw us a picture of what it's like to be in Nairobi right now
2: for you. So Nairobi's weather is very pleasant right now. I think the temperatures are between... Maybe 25 and 28 max Mm -hmm. Celsius and very pretty morning, very uh, morning hours. I love the morning. Schools are out right now. So Mm -hmm. the roads aren't uh, congested. So Mm -hmm. driving around is easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are chilling down now for the Easter break. So a lot of people are going to be traveling out of the city. Yeah, it's a good
1: time of the year. You're getting ready to head into your winter, right? So this is like fall for you.
2: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Actually, the rains should have come on the 31st of March. That's normally when the farmers expect the rains to sort of start falling different parts of the country. But it has not quite rained in most parts of the country. So that's been a strange experience. A month later, almost, no rains. And these are our long rains. April, May, June. Hmm. It's kind of wet.
0: How long have you lived in Nairobi?
2: Ooh, almost 40 years.
0: Okay, wow, so So it's home.
2: This is my city.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Emily, will you just share kind of... Your um, friendship with Irene and how we work together with her and African mm-hmm. Leadership and Mocha Club. And yeah. Yeah. Y'all have a sweet friendship in and outside of the workplace. So we'd love to hear. We
1: do. About that. Do you remember the first time we met?
2: Oh, you came to New Dawn mm-hmm. School and you had very many questions about how we were doing. <laughs> And I just was very impressed by your thoroughness and your interest in how we were doing.
1: I guess that was a long—I mean, that would have been in 2010 or 11, maybe?
2: Yes, even probably a little earlier. Really?
1: It might have been, yeah.
2: Wait, maybe not. Maybe 12. Okay. Because I remember—I almost remember where you sat in the staff (laughs) room. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes.
1: We've had a really sweet relationship. Irene is um, has been a part of African Leadership in Mocha Club, man, since 2005 or 6? Six? 6. Yeah. So by the time I got on board and um, was busy working with our team as part of looking at the places where we were engaging with locals who had dreams and visions. Irene was just a pretty solid, stable relationship that we had developed. So my first interaction was really, just like she said, to go and and explore and learn about the school and learn about her long-term vision and consider how we helped her achieve that. What were the elements of capacity building or the development of the school or the community at large that we could play um, a part in? So we've just had a really long friendship. She's been in my yes. home and I've been in her home and she's prayed over my babies and I've prayed for her babies and um yes. it's been really sweet and we've walked uh, we've done a lot of a lot of life, some of it easy and um a lot of it hard and so there's just been this really great place of encouraging and reminding one another that in the midst of circumstances be as they may, that the Lord is just faithfully watching and guarding and fighting for um, what He has
2: for us. Yes. Mm. And one time I was really impressed when you came all the way to LA to visit me.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. (laughs) I decided to take a red-eye flight. Well, I got on the first morning flight that morning, like a 6 a.m. flight from Nashville. Flew to L.A., so I landed at like 7.30 or whatever that flight is in L.A., Yes. spent all day with her, and then took a red-eye home. It was really Wait, terrible. you were there for 20, less oh, than even. 24 hours? Not even. I was home 24 hours later.
0: Wow. It was intense,
1: yeah. but we had a lot of fun, and it was hard. I think I, I flew intentionally because I had some hard news that I needed to share with her in person, um, and she was very gracious.
2: Yeah. I think... Um, you have paid a price to remain in our lives. Mm-hmm. You have uh, given of, yourselves, of yourself. Mm-hmm. And we, I treasure that, that you have uh, been personal. It's not been about the check. It's not been about the money mm-hmm. transferring from your account to ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a hard journey mm-hmm. with you. So... I I always treasure. You. I mean, I really. Whenever I think of Nashville, I think you stand out. You just mm. uh, on your own up there. Mm. Thank you, my friend. Yeah,
1: it's really the way we <clears throat> envision and dream, and it's why we talk about that on this podcast, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not about one nonprofit working with another nonprofit and finding agreeing on on how much money we're going to give or what we're going to do with this. It really is two people that are bonded together in their faith and their relationship with the Lord that say, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe God is leading us in this work Mm -hmm. together. And there are Mm -hmm. places that I can excel at and I can leverage my resources or my skill set. And there are places Mm -hmm. where Irene can do the same. And so Mm -hmm. building our relationships on this side of the ocean in the U.S. with partners and friends on the other side of the Mm -hmm. ocean in Africa it really is the intent that we would have a mm-hmm. um, true relationship where we're celebrating the diversity of the body but really leaning into how we need each mm-hmm.
2: other. Yes. And I think for me, too, uh, the realization that the kingdom of God is not about food. It's mm-hmm. not about, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, material things, yes, but if there's fellowship, if there's mutual encouragement, if mm-hmm. there is... Um, support, prayer. That's really what matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've made it that for, between us. You you, have, you haven't you have made it about the money ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that has really meant a lot to me because I, I, I don't like to be treated like a project because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you have just never made me feel like uh, we're just one more project that you're trying to fund or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's been a good read. I think in eternity, we'll we'll sort of find each other and Mm -hmm. uh, have stories. And build our houses very (laughs)
1: near each other. I love it. Yes, for sure.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So Irene, will you tell us just briefly for the listeners so they can learn more about you, just a brief history about your story and how you came to be where you are now, the founder of New Dawn how High School.
1: How far back? <laughs> yeah. Will you will you tell us your story about um what led you to the community in Haruma and how you had a vision for, for what became the New Dawn School?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I I lived a pretty comfortable life. And I think was blinded to the poor, the needs of the poor for so long. And I, I used to really consider them Like a nuisance. Mm. So when my family and I were part of a church plant in one area of the city that is very wealthy, I didn't envisage that we'd find poor people in that area, for one. Two, that they would even be interested in attending our church because I thought they fit better in their own type of church. And over the years, I shunned them and really felt a discomfort in my heart that they would even there come to our church that is for the privileged and is for, you know, the educated and all that. And so it took me a while to really hear the heart of God toward them, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem. And redemption is about dealing with the effects of sin and the brokenness that sin brings about in the lives of people. That brokenness can be demonstrated or seen through a physical brokenness. It could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be social, it could be spiritual. And so the Savior is for all, those who are broken physically, those who are broken mentally, those who are broken Uh, spiritually, those who are broken socially, they all need to be fixed. And that realizing uh, that being part of a wealthy church meant we were to be part of the solution for those who were materially poor. So my journey to that community physically happened when we I just accompanied the church women's group that was just going to visit and like hear out what these women that were coming to a church from that community had to say. And um, that afternoon, I was so broken. As I had listened to them share what their needs, especially the needs of their children were, that I, I really had most of what they needed. I, it was like God was saying, I'll use whatever you give to me, I had a degree in educa- a bachelor's degree in education. I had time mm. and God just sort of impressed it on me that afternoon that he, he wanted me to be part of his healing for that community. And, um, I came home and shared with my husband and then I later shared with my pastor and they both encouraged me to just take a step of faith, And pray and see how God would really confirm his call upon my life in terms of setting up uh, a solution for these parents that were so frustrated by their own inability to provide secondary education for their children because they didn't have money to pay for it. So I found myself interacting with the youth that year and then the next year and then in the third year i decided it was time to just be there and offer whatever i could in terms of uh, education so the lord had already raised african leadership and had already raised the local churches that were willing to partner with me and i just needed to be in the space to hear him saying this is the way walking so Mm -hmm. i found Two churches were willing to partner with me to provide their little structures to be classrooms. And then within two, three months, I believe African leadership found me right there, trying to do what I could with what I had. And the relationship with African leadership has been there all these years because they were the Lord's instrument to provide for the needs, the material needs, the financial needs for this school. So my passion for the youth was targeting restoring hope and pointing them to God and how he was so already prepared or rather he had all things lined up for them to experience his salvation as far as their brokenness mentally and their brokenness socially and spiritually and, and, and physically. So I just happened, I, I look back and I say, I just happened to be a conduit of what God had already designed ahead of time to raise an organization that was willing to partner with me, as well as the fact that I had what it took to start the school because I had the skill. And then the community embraced uh, my idea to just run a school right there for them. And obviously what I, I know is that God helped me overcome I think that uh, hardness of heart toward the poor, where I start to see them as those made in the image of God and that the brokenness, the dirty clothes, the smelly uh, breath or whatever, the hunger, the very poor homes, that was just just needed to be fixed. But the human, the, the worth of the person was more because they bore the image of God. They were made to resemble God, you know. So mm-hmm. I just found myself on a journey of embracing people that had been rejected by myself for so long. I felt like I, I didn't have any room ever for them. But then the Lord turned my heart around. We
1: talk about this on the podcast a lot, but so often I think in the U.S., and I don't know if it's true in Kenya as well, but people get trapped in this idea that I have to be able to do something great. I have to already have a vision of something amazing. It'll take an amazing amount of money and an impressive skill set for me to be able to change anything about the world that I live in or or leave a positive impact. And I think that's one of the reasons why we decided to start this podcast was just it, it doesn't. And we know plenty of people Uh, In the United States, and we know plenty of people across Africa who just were willing to leverage what they had been given by the Lord. You took your passion for education. You stepped out in blind faith. You just put one foot in front of the other, not necessarily knowing all the places that the Lord was going to take you with that. Um, Yes. But you were willing to have your heart captivated by the gospel, kind of continually molded by what it was revealing about yourself and your own perspective. And yes. then to leverage all of it for somebody else's good. Yeah.
2: And you know, Emily, the, the truth of the matter is the word of God shared right there where somebody actually needs it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It starts the healing process in their lives. It right. starts to create faith in a God that's wow. greater than you, who is the vessel he's sending to them. Right. And it starts to create a world in their own minds that there's a God. Because these, these young people used to definitely uh, held the belief rather that they are in a hopeless, incurable situation.
0: Hmm.
2: But the more I spoke of this God that has sent me, not that this God has given me millions to start to a school, but God has sent me to say he's a God who will meet you at your point of need and create solutions within your context, using his own resources. I, I didn't know how he's going to do it, but I, I confessed the God that we are serving. This Jesus Christ who came as a little baby but became the solution to our sin problem mm. is available to you as well. Mm. So to proclaim that and to, to have them watch how God mm. fleshes out mm. my faith In him, in their context, this is just amazing because I didn't know how God God was going to put it together, but I confessed it. I said, God is able to meet our need as we walk this journey together. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then school uniforms were given and then (laughs) books were given (laughs) and then money for salaries for the teachers came. Then food was served. I mean, where was all that coming from? It was from a God who had known all along. Right that uh, he he has the solution and when they saw the demonstration of this power and this generosity of god their own faith was was awakened hmm. yeah so hmm. it's it's just amazing how god does it, it we you, don't need to have a big blueprint okay. or yeah bank account
1: right mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that paralyzes me at times, I mean, even this week paralyzes me, is that idea that um, I don't want to fail. And so I don't want to take that next step unless the money's already in the bank. And there's a fair amount of planning and being responsible, right, that comes as a part of, of this work and wanting to do it well and take great care and ownership of the resources that we've been given to steward. But. At the same time, there's this space, like you were saying, of what you expose these children to by your faith. And I think Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time this week in Romans chapter 8 and just the promises of the Lord that we are Mm -hmm. are children of God, that every Mm -hmm. groan, that we don't know how to express the Spirit and Jesus Mm -hmm. are interceding for us. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we spent some time with Barrett on a podcast here recently, and He was talking about that as well, that He doesn't necessarily look into the future and have this grandiose plan, but instead it's taking the step, the thing that's just right in front of you and saying, well, Mm -hmm. of course, this door opened or this conversation is in front of me, so I'm going to have it. And then um, allowing the Lord to move Mm -hmm. in and around
2: and through that. And yeah, I think that's such an example. Well, the thing is that if we Put ourselves at the center, then we definitely will freak out because we know we are not equal to the task. Mm-hmm. But when right. God is at the center, then there's no end to the resources he has mm-hmm. and he can release. And uh, in any case, when He's at the center, then it's about His glory and his agenda. God will never put his name to shame.) <laughs> Mm-hmm. He he, he mm-hmm. defends his name and his reputation. And so when mm-hmm. we learn that the visions and the burdens he puts in us are uh, opportunities for him to display his splendor. Mm-hmm. And so stepping out in faith, we, in a sense, create contexts for God to contest for his name and mm-hmm. to prove that he's a God for whom nothing is Im- impossible. And uh, to whom nothing is, uh, nothing is too difficult. And that in fact, um, he is a God of miracles. He can call into mm-hmm. being things that are not as if they were. He can make a new world he, out of nothing. So when it's mm-hmm. about God, it becomes a journey of miracles. The supernatural starts to play out. And then we are all like stunned, like, oh, okay. It was never about me. It was always about God's hand. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible says his hand is outstretched. It is ready to save. It mm-hmm. is positioned. It is armed with his salvation. So there's no way as believers we can be put to shame unless we put ourselves in the center. Then, of course, we soon realize we cannot live out that vision because we don't know how to live it out. But when it's about Christ, Mm -hmm. then our prayer life becomes that of a child. Oh Lord, now this, you know, how are we going to work it out? And he comes through again and again Mm -hmm. and again. So let's step out in faith, because it's faith in a God who has (laughs) already stretched out his hand and is ready to save.
0: Yeah, I think what I've learned in my life in adulthood when I want to do everything perfect and have a plan and have an agenda and have all the steps, you know, written out to what to do next, I think the Lord more often than not is teaching me, I just want you to be willing and I'll do the rest. I just need you to Mm. be able to say yes and don't worry about any other steps besides step one, say yes, and then I have the rest of them all planned out. So yes, it's a good word. Yes, I
2: mean, like. When when you think of Mary and how she received the news from the angel that you will be the mother, she didn't know mm-hmm. how it's gonna work out. And yet step at a time she gets married and I mean Joseph takes her in, then she goes, she's supported by Elizabeth, and she has the baby in the manger and there's enough there, and then down mm-hmm. to Egypt. And Jesus grew because God his father always knew how he'll resource that growth.
0: Mm.
2: So even for us Whatever we conceive in our spiritual wombs will be resourced. God will not allow the baby to die. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think one of the, the, the amazing parts about your story, Irene, is that um, you stepped out in faith. You built a secondary school with this group of people that three years before you confessed that you weren't interested in and didn't want to be around and didn't want to hang out with. And the Lord's just brought kind of opportunity after opportunity after partnership into the last, you know, 15 years of this story for you. And for those of you who haven't been to New Dawn, it's this place that it's always been a place of like the progressiveness of sustainability. So, and yet, I don't think, Irene, you set out to be overly sustainable and progressive at the beginning it was all out of yeah. need and it was it was the appropriate solution the easy option yeah. at the time so when you were on government borrowed land why build a permanent structure? Um, instead, let's use shipping containers that we can pick up and move if yeah. we ever needed to. And how do we get f- milk or, or or sustenance to these kids? And then how do we have gas and electricity? And how do we have solar mm-hmm. power? And now to go visit New Dawn and see you know, the methane gas because of the cow and mm-hmm. the food resources and the greenhouses for the kids mm-hmm. and their food and the solar panels mm-hmm. on the roof. It, it's just one place after another where as you came across a need, the Lord just gave you the mm-hmm. answer. Um, the answer for your school, and it doesn't look like anybody else's school, and it yes, doesn't need to, but <laughs> the, the answer for your school and the beauty of it, and it, it's just got so many neat storylines to New Dawn mm. and, and and the the faith and the history of this mm. woman. But one of the other... Wonderful parts of the story to new dawn is the the space and time where a, a group of women and children here in the in the Nashville area were running a race and wanting to look for ways to support education initiatives um, in Africa. And Ellie's run for Africa met you on a trip. Yes to Kenya, and then spent years running a race and raising funds to support New Dawn. And it was, again, one of those places we just saw the Lord bring it bring his provision and his power and then over time of course as most fundraising efforts do there there was a, a changing of direction and um the 10-year-old that had the vision for the race went off mm. to college and lots of life mm. changed but then the lord gave you another aha moment so will you tell us a little bit about the run for hope
2: <laughs> wow well, the run for hope a number of things uh, came to my mind that In our other program that we run as Newdon, we we have a ministry to pretty well of children, and we thought we could use Ellie Ambrose to instruct them that they can do something for the less fortunate people in our nation. So we started to think of a way to involve them to run and raise funds to support the school. We also thought that... um, Our own students can do something toward meeting this financial obligation for staying in school. And um, Mm -hmm. we have a wonderful resource right by us called the Karura Forest. It's one of the few forests left in Kenya that has indigenous trees and it's just beautiful to be inside it. Mm -hmm. And we thought if we could use it to create, you know, as a context, as a place to sort of do fun run and um, get the community around to participate. Now, of course, by the time word goes out and people are convinced that this is something they, that is, you know, they want to participate in, takes time to build, but we are determined Mm -hmm. that um, the more we send word out there, the more the numbers will grow, just like with Ellie's run, Mm started small And maybe within the first three or four years, the Ambrose family could have been discouraged. Uh, The vision the Lord gave me and my team is to start to sensitize our local community, the churches, the schools nearby, the community, the people who live near us, uh, that we could become the solution to replace Ellie's run by doing a run that brings together our children, which are the students who are in our school, and the children that are in the neighborhood that are pretty wealthy and um, both audiences running using the context we have next door to us, which is the Karura forest. And so we've been building the numbers slowly. The first year we had maybe 200 runners, including our own students. I think the following year, which was one when you Mokaklak people came, we didn't have as big a number because of lack of publicity which we'd hoped would come through one of our local media houses. But we haven't lost heart. We just think sending word out, Mm -hmm. using different methods and learning from our mistakes, the numbers will grow just like the Ambrose's numbers with Ellie's run Mm. progressively grew and people took on the invitation and um, time and money into making the run work. So yeah, so the third New Don't Run for Hope will be on um, in two months, almost, yeah, two months, the mm-hmm. 8th of June. And we're hoping bigger numbers will come this time. And you got a
0: team all the way from Nashville coming to help out too. Wow.
2: How many are coming this year?
0: <laughs> There's four of us coming. Wow. Yeah. So Thank we'll be there you. to help set up. And prep
2: and run and we're really excited.
0: Oh, we're really excited to be with you all again. I
2: bless you and I appreciate your sacrifice, Paula. Oh yeah.
0: No. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice, it feels like a privilege. Oh, so thank happy you. to be with you in a couple
1: months. I think um, you know, even just hearing your heart for you know what the Lord did in you was to confront so much of the way you considered those less fortunate than yourself. And even the opportunity you are now passing on to the next generation is just that. It's taking these well-off children in a wealthy community in Nairobi that live around Mm -hmm. and right behind Mm -hmm. these kids that are in the slum and having them run a race with kids from the slum. And I just love that even in the midst of all the other purposes and plans for this race, that it, it could potentially be a source of local revenue um, it's still at the heart, something that the Lord transformed in you and you're willing to yeah. try and push and create for the next generation. Yes. I think that's beautiful and lovely. Yeah. And it's um, it speaks again to what we want for all of us as we sit around this table is is what are the places and the things that the Lord has done in you and how do you leverage that for other people? And it's not just skill sets and money and time and talent, but it's also the ways that the Lord has just awoke in mm. your heart and given you a fresh perspective mm-hmm. that you get to turn around and pass mm-hmm. on to the group of people mm-hmm. behind you. Amen. Well, thanks for
2: that encouragement.
1: <laughs> We're so, so grateful for you, Irene, and all the ways that you um, just offer us the opportunity to see the Lord at work. Amen. Thank yes. You.
2: yes. Thank you, girls. I really can't yes. wait to have you girls here and have you Breakfast and dinner. I wish I was coming,
1: (laughs) but you can hug Fallon. Hug Fallon twice. One for me, too.
0: (laughs) All right, Irene, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
2: We love you. Thank you, Emily, for setting this up. Thank you, Fallon, for pursuing it with all your heart. (laughs) We'll
1: We'll speak with you soon.
0: Have a great night. Yes,
2: Yes, we'll see you soon. Bye. Love you.
0: All right, that's our episode for today, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple iTunes and leaving us some reviews, some ratings, leave some comments, we would really appreciate that. That's actually super helpful. And as always, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We want to connect with you all. So for Mocha Club, it's at Mocha Club. And for African Leadership, it's at African Leadership. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you next week.